Hey guys, welcome to this episode of So What Else. I'm Caitlin. As you know, So What Else is a story-based podcast. And today we have the lovely Misty Snyder on here to share her story about her son, Jed, who has Down syndrome. And she... Let me just tell you guys, first of all, we realized that we live like not even that far from each other as we were recording this episode. And she is such a light. I don't even know how else to describe it. This conversation was so beautiful and uplifting. I got choked up multiple times, not from sadness, but from joy, from the things that she was saying, the way she talks about her son, the way she talks about her journey through finding out that she was pregnant with a baby that very likely had Down syndrome, her entire process through her pregnancy, her birth, and Jed's life so far. I mean, it is relatable for anyone. I'm telling you right now, this is not just for someone who maybe has a child with Down syndrome. This is for anybody with a pulse because she just says such beautiful things about the way she chooses to live her life, her attitude about her life, about Jed, about the way he impacts the world and impacts other people. It's beautiful. I know that you're going to love it. So stay tuned. Misty, welcome to So What Else. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thank you for having me, Caitlin. I'm so excited. Yes, I'm so excited to talk to you. We're we're definitely doing the like mom bedtime podcast thing tonight. <laughs> yes, that is true. <laughs> it's like 8:30. Are your kids down? Like are they in just bed? Just barely. Just barely. So we're holding, you know, living on a prayer here. Same. So same. Like I just heard some like footsteps happening above my head and I was like, okay, so we're not all in our beds, but we're making our way into that direction. Close. Going in the right direction. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but I do love it. It's a little evil, but I do love it. I feel bad admitting this sometimes, but I do enjoy missing bedtime. Like I just, like when I can, because like, look, do I love cuddling with my girls and like reading them a book and the prayers? Yes. But do I love the, I need water. Now I'm hungry. I have to pee again. Can one more book? Like I'm really done by the end of the night. And like, I, uh, I totally, I hear you because it feels like, it almost feels like you're cutting it's cutting into your downtime. Yes. Stuff starts to happen and you're just like, nope, enough's enough. I definitely have my breaking point of, no, we're going to bed. No more. Totally. Totally. Like, it's just like, okay, no, we're done. I love you so much. I really do. I love, 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 love you, but <laughs> goodbye. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. No, it's so true. So where, where are you located? Where do you live? So I live in New Jersey, about an hour outside of Manhattan. Me too. You do? I'm in Hackettstown. Oh, I'm in Madison. I don't know where Hackettstown is. I know where Madison is. You're close to Morristown. Yes. I'm maybe 30 minutes from there. So we're like Northwest. We're we're very close to Pennsylvania, but I grew up in Essex County. And then my parents moved out here. And at first we were like, where are you moving? Like, cause I had the reaction that you just had. Like, I was like, what is Hackettstown? I don't know what that is, but- yeah we came out here, then we were looking for houses. It's just, it's definitely more like there's like farms and it's a little more rural and spread out. It's cheaper, honestly. Like, let's be real. That's why we came here. You know what I mean? Yes. I, I'm not, the reason I said what's Town is because I'm from the West coast originally. So I, I grew up in Southern California and Washington state. And then I moved to 
um, New York City uh, out of college and then met my husband who lives in Pennsylvania, who lived in Pennsylvania okay. here together. So New Jersey is, is my, although I keep saying I'm new here, but I think it's been like four years almost, but it still feels new. <laughs> yeah, no, that's new, especially Jersey. Like, so what is that like going from Southern California to Jersey? Well, if it had been, I don't know. Okay. So, okay. So Southern California is very laid back. Um, very people are tend to be really kind of friendly initially, mm-hmm. but you don't actually really know how they feel about you. It's kind of a facade. Now I'm totally generalizing, but this sure. is my experience growing up there. Yeah. Um, and and I find that the opposite is true here. That not always, but at least when I going from Orange County to Manhattan, people are like, don't bother me, don't talk to me. But then when I actually made friends and like rooted myself, especially here in Jersey, I find that people are very true blue and very um, trustworthy, you know? I am with you on that. Okay. Like, I feel like Jersey has such a bad reputation. It's like everyone from Jersey is mean and like, it's horrible. And like, Hey, that's true to a degree. Like we're, we're a sarcastic bunch. We really are. We like have a cutting dry humor. Like that is very true, but I agree with you. It's like, you always know where you stand with people up here. No one is faking it. People aren't blowing smoke. And when you cross that threshold of friendship, you really have. So I was in a, a yes. study with a, a woman who who said, when I first met you, I was like, I don't know about that Californian. Like, she's so perky and like, yeah, happy yeah. <laughs> fearful. And I don't know about her. And I think it, I, I'm not going to speak for her, but she made it sound like it came off fake. Like she was like, I don't know who this girl is. And I right. want to get to know her. But then as we, week after week after week, as she saw that it wasn't a facade and that I was actually, you know, um, sincere. She, she really dove in like, and yeah. we're really friends. And so I think, I think it's just more, it takes a little longer totally. to get to the, to the juicy stuff. But when you're there, you're like there. I, I am with you a thousand percent. I really am. Like, I feel like I have friendships here with women that are genuinely like, authentic, true, deep. I am with you a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, we have some Jersey pride. That's fine. Look. <laughs> well, and look where I am in Jersey. I mean, there's so much, I, there really is. I've, I've kind of been converted to a degree because I'm like, it's not that far to the beach, which I love because I grew up by the beach. Totally. It's not that far to the city. Totally. I'm obsessed with. Um, it's, it's beautiful. Like I, th- I think, Yes. We have this picture in our head, like Jersey, like dirty, like, yes. I don't know. I did as a West coast. Totally. So, yes. And then I got here and I was like, Oh my God. It, it, it it's the garden state. It really yes. is like, beautiful. It's so very I lush. There, there's, there's a lot to be had here. So here we I are. I am with you. I love that. I had no idea you were from Jersey. That's like that you were living in Jersey now. Yeah. I think that's so funny. I love yes. that. Yes. Love, love, love. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So why don't you introduce yourself to everybody? Like, who are you? What do you do? Tell us. So I grew up in in Southern California and I was born um, to two musicians, singers. And um, so I grew up, you know, singing in church and doing like a radio talk show with my mom and um, very, 
unconventional, I guess you could say. I Just, love that. Uh, lots of performing is in our blood. And, and so I started acting when I was 10 and I started to just fall in love with musical theater. And uh, I went to college for classical acting and Shakespeare and all of that. And so it was a natural sort of progression to move to New York City pretty much when I was done with college. And I spent some years auditioning and did some tours and got my equity card and uh, really uh, dove into that side of my life. And I really, to be honest with you, you know, aside from aside from my faith and what informs me that way, you know, theater sort of defined me in many ways yeah. um, because I sort of found my voice that way. And I found I connected with people that way. And so mm-hmm. I really thought, you know, I was put on this earth to, to do this thing. And I had Broadway on my yeah. mind, but uh, life happens. And I fell in love with my, my husband who was working in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And so we moved there. So I went from Manhattan Ugh. to the smallest little town, which I yeah. actually fell in love with. It's uh, very cute. It's, it really is. And it's, it's just, it's got so much history there yeah. and it, it's, it's, it's really beautiful. So we lived there for a few years. I got pregnant with my first son and, um, Clay and and about six months after he was born, we moved to New Jersey. My husband got another job, and we kind of moved here with the hopes of eventually I would be auditioning again. And, yeah, you know all those things, and um, I did for a little while, but uh, we we got pregnant and unfortunately lost that baby. And a little while later, got pregnant a second time, mm-hmm. and. Uh, was very excited, just knew I only wanted two. So like, this is is wrapped up in a bow. And, and, uh, we found out, uh, about, about 15 weeks into our pregnancy, uh, that he would most likely have Down syndrome. And I can tell you more about how that happened, but the long and short of it was, it was at the cusp of the, the pandemic and, uh, I was terrified and I thought, okay, well, my life is over. My career's over. Yeah. I'm never going to do anything ever again. I'm going to be that sacrificial lamb who's taking care of her child. And I was terrified and devastated and all the things. And if I could summarize what has happened between, you know, that, those initial feelings in March of 2020 to now, it would be like, I don't know, a complete, you know, 180, mm-hmm. uh, because I have found so much of who I am and what my purpose and mission is mm. through my son, Jed. So, <sighs> um, there's so much more to it, but that's yeah. the sort of it. It brings you, it brings you sort of up to date. Yeah. I love that. All right. So tell us kind of bring us like way back. All right. So you're 15 weeks pregnant. Yes. You have like what, a two-year-old? Yeah, he was, yeah. Okay, so you have like a little toddler, you're 15 weeks pregnant, you and your husband, you're so excited. And what, it was just like routine blood work? So I wanted to know the gender because I was pretty convinced it was a girl. Mm-hmm. I, it felt, it, everything felt so different from the from the first, my first pregnancy. 
and uh, I was convinced it was a girl and I wanted to know for sure because I wanted, you know, girly stuff. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I didn't do any testing with my first son. So this was okay. the first time that I'd done anything like that. And quite honestly, I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't know that they were testing for that. I just thought, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I guess I was naive, but the NIPT tests, like I just thought gender, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't know they were testing for anything. So when she called and she sounded like she was about to tell me I was going to die, <sighs> uh, I, I was, I was pretty sh- I, shock doesn't really cover it. Yeah. So it was a big deal. So you just got the call from the doctor. So the results came in, you get a call from the doctor. And what did you remember? Like, what exactly did she say to you? She said, it was, it was less what she said and more how she said it. Like I said, Mm. like you ever just get the feeling that somebody's trying to tell you something really hard, but they won't come out and say it. That's kind of what it was. Like I'd been waiting for this call for a long time. Usually when you take this test from what I've heard from other people, very quickly, you find out the gender. Oh yeah, okay. it's a girl or it's a boy yeah. or whatever. Or you, what you go and do a follow up. But it was taking a long time, and I was yeah. getting really impatient. I was looking up online to see if they'd posted it and whatever. And and more and more time passed. And so when she called, I was so excited, like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. gonna get the news. And she just immediately had this dark tone in her voice and. Uh, just said, uh, well, well, this test and this test came back okay. Um, and this test, you know, seemed fine, but uh, I do need to tell you that you can't. And it was all just very like, yeah, lot. ominous. Uh, yeah. We need to tell you that your baby came back high risk for uh, trisomy 21. And yeah, I think I'd heard that before, but I was like, you mean Down syndrome? Right. And she said, yes. And I said, well, what do you mean high risk? What does that mean? Yeah. And she said, you have a, a nine of 10 chance that your baby has Down syndrome. And at that point, or she didn't say baby. She said, there's a nine of 10 chance that the, the fetus has Down syndrome. And so still, I still don't know the gender. Right. And so I felt like I was sort of in a, I don't know, like underwater and Mm -hmm. I couldn't really hear some of what she was saying. And my, my heart was just pounding and my husband was home from work and I went downstairs and I remember my legs felt like, like mush. Like I I couldn't, thank goodness my older son was napping because I just couldn't function. I felt like I was out of body. Mm -hmm. And so she's, she's, she's saying like these words, like genetic counselor and Mm -hmm. here's the number. And I, I still say, don't even know how I got, I think I found a doily in the kitchen. Like I couldn't, I couldn't put anything. So I scribbled this number on the thing and I like, I remember I like threw the phone down and just like collapsed at the bottom of the stairs and started sobbing. And my husband came over and, uh, I just screamed like, (sighs) Oh, at the end of the conversation, I said, well, what is the baby? What is it? 
And she said, the fetus is a boy. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. So I, I collapsed at the bottom of the stairs. I was crying. I was screaming. All I remember saying over and over was, I can't do this. I can't do this. Yeah. I can't do this. And the, the overwhelming feeling that I had that took me a long time to get over was just this, no, this is for other people. This is not for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, this happened very similar to what you hear. Like, I hate to liken it to this, but you ever watch those shows where like a loved one gets killed or kidnapped? Yeah. People say, no, 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 this, this, this happens to other people. There's something about us when we're in that like fight or flight, that's just mm-hmm. like denial. And no, this does, this doesn't happen in real life. So I just kept saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And finally, my husband said, um, well, we can do this and we will do this because it's our baby. And it was so simple and just so like, it was just what I needed in that moment because all I thought was my life is over. I, 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 I wanted to escape my body. There's just no other way to put it. I wanted to escape. And and, and I share all the, these raw feelings because I think it's really important for other people to know that you can be very sure that you want your baby and that there's no other option. And you can still be, think, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. And I, yeah. and I think that needs to be said because mm-hmm. the shame that I had in those moments yeah. of, I don't want this baby. Yeah. Carrying that the next few months as I sort of sorted through everything was really, really hard. It was hard to face my own demons and my own fears, you know? And um, so I think it needs to be said out loud that I felt that way. I think that's so powerful for so many people to hear because I I just love what you said. Like even if you can feel in a moment, like, okay, like I want, I want this baby. Like, I'm not going to end this pregnancy, but at the same time, I don't, you know, like, and it's like, it's so overwhelming and scary. I can't even imagine. I mean, how beautiful for your husband in that moment to have Mm -hmm. such clarity. And how beautiful that he just happened to be there. I mean, it was, I mean, it was just such a, a God thing because we didn't, he wasn't normally home. In fact, he wasn't supposed to be home. There was something happening and something changed. But in that moment, I needed that, that clear sentence that was just like, no, this is our baby and we'll do it. Yeah. So did you then spend that weekend like Googling Down syndrome? Like what did you do? The, The weekend was an absolute blur. I couldn't when I tell you that I couldn't function, like I remember laying in bed and Marco Poloing, you know, the app where you oh, like make a video. I'm <laughs> like, I should be a spokesperson for Marco Polo. I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> well, I have a couple of friends who are long distance and that's how we keep in touch. And I remember getting on there and I couldn't even... I'm a pretty expressive person, but I couldn't even like move my face. Like I was so numb and my face hurt from crying. And I just couldn't like, it hurt to get out of bed. Like it hurt to think about doing anything. And thank goodness 
So the doctor called on a Friday. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness the appointment for the genetic counselor was on Monday. Oh, wow. Monday was a game changer. Okay, yeah. Saturday and Sunday were... Were terrible. Awful. Um, So Monday, we went to go see a genetic counselor. And I should preface this by saying I've heard very not so great stories about people with their genetic counselors, unfortunately. But um, my, I was scared to meet with her because I was afraid of what I was going to hear and I was yeah. afraid of what was going to be suggested. And we definitely live in a culture and I'm not um, pushing an agenda here. It's just fact. We, we basically live in a culture that says if you're anything less than perfect or what society deems, de- yeah. deems desirable, you are expungible. You are um, not wanted. And um, the, a lot of not even direct statements, but just like like very indirect imp- implications and totally um, are are flung at women in my position. And so I prayed hard that that wouldn't happen because yeah. I was already so fragile. Mm-hmm. And the idea of walking into a room and someone suggesting like, Oh, we can get rid of this right now. Like I, right. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. And totally, we walked into this room and thank goodness it was just like four days before everything shut down because it was the last thing my husband came with me to. Wow. And he, she, this woman just, she was super just like light and, um, you know, not in a perky patty kind of way, but just very easy to talk to. And what do you, let me explain. Let me, I said, what does this nine of 10 chance mean? I needed to know. I needed to yeah. hear it. She said, well, it just means that, you know, um, it's, it's very likely that your child has down syndrome. It might not be, but apparently these, these tests are very, very accurate for down syndrome, okay. not for other chromosomal abnormalities. It's, it, it goes down with others, but for okay. down syndrome, this particular test is very, very, very accurate. Okay. So she said, it's very likely that your child has Down syndrome. She kind of explained and she showed us the chart with the chromosomes and she, she just like explained. And she also explained, which was very important for both my husband and I to hear that it happens at the moment of conception, Mm. that there's nothing that you do, especially as the woman, there's nothing you do to cause this. Um, Yeah. And I needed to hear that. You know, because there's just a lot of feelings of what could I have done differently. So she was wonderful and she proceeded to tell me all of the wonderful statistics about Down syndrome. Like, oh, you have an older son. Oh, well, did you know? I I, I hope I don't butcher the statistic, but it's something like 98% of siblings um, of who have who have a sibling with Down syndrome say that they're better people because of their sibling. And did you know that she's like giving me all these statistics and she said, you know, that, that marriages that survive, that, that are able to come through this attest to being stronger, closer, and more connected. She's giving me all these like statistics. And then I said, where are you getting these statistics? And she said, well, there, you know, there's a website called the Down syndrome diagnosis network. And she gave me the website and I went there when I got home and I found out they had Facebook chats and I went on the Facebook chat and you have to like give all your information. So they know you're not, you know, a fake or a troll. Exactly. And, uh, 
I got in and the rest is history. I, I was connected with other women who were in the exact stage I was literally had just gotten the news or a few weeks into getting in the news or, uh, just about to have their babies. They put them into groups and chats and the rest is history. I mean, you, you really, I was able to talk to women and connect with women in my stage and those who've gone before me. And it just, with each talk and with each connection, it got less and less scary and more and more, I don't know. You just didn't, it, it's half the battle when you don't feel, when you don't feel like you're alone. You know, totally. Uh, that is a miracle. She didn't just say like, okay, listen, this isn't the end of the world. She was like, there are so many positive things here. Like, let me tell you the wonderful things. I That like makes me cry. Like that she was saying that this is going to be, because I think that that's such a common probably fear that people have. If, they're, if they have a child that has special needs, I think people are so worried about the sibling. Mm-hmm. That maybe is like a typical sibling and they're thinking, oh no, like how is this going to impact them? And, da, da, da. and the fact that she spoke directly to that and was like, this is going to be wonderful for your older son. Like this will help him be a more sensitive person, more empathetic, more caring. Like, And oh, I just think that that's so beautiful that she said those things to you. It was, it was really amazing. And if there was one, I mean, I couldn't just pick one time, but if, if I could think of a the most sort of impactful time, um, in my journey, I would say that that was like the turning point because I really felt like a door had been opened. Like Mm. I felt like my heart, which was so shut off to this idea of down syndrome and that could, it could ever be anything but devastating. Right. There was something that, that shifted in that meeting. I remember walking out and feeling like, you know, like, okay, okay. This is hard, but I'm, I can do, I'm going to do this. Like, and, and I was going to do it before, but there was just something, I'm kind of an all or nothing person and I'm all out or I'm all in. And there was something that shifted and I was like, okay, okay, bring it on. You know, yeah. um, it doesn't mean that the entirety of my pregnancy wasn't very difficult, but it definitely means that something shifted in my mind. Yeah. Okay. So I was wondering about that. So then the rest yeah. of your pregnancy, what was that like? Did you find yourself in full blown like preparation for having a child with Down syndrome mode? Or did you find yourself like praying like, Lord, like, let this like not be true. And like, maybe we're the 10%. Like, as I said, it's a 90% chance. Like maybe there's a 10% chance that the baby doesn't have this. Like, where were you emotionally, mentally with all of that, the rest of your pregnancy? You know, it's interesting because I, I think, and I, I hope somebody out there hears this that needs to hear this, but I think that a lot of people think it's comforting to say, oh, those tests are wrong a lot or it probably won't be, you know, don't, don't worry about that. There was a day where that was true, but it's actually not true anymore. It's those tests are very, very, very accurate. And if, if somebody had a nine of 10 chance, that would be different if it was like 40%. Even still, still, if it's that high, I've met people who have like 2% chance in the, in the, in the, so if it's that high, like, 
it it's actually not helpful to say it it, it probably it maybe it's wrong. It could yeah. be wrong. And people mean well for sure, but it actually doesn't help because what it what it speaks to the person who's carrying that child is um that thing is not desirable. Yes. This thing is desirable. So we're going to pray for this desirable thing. So I actually did have, you know, some people who sort of um prayed against the down syndrome and said, you know, kind of went in that direction and and as time went on, I really fled from that sort of um that sort of leaning yeah. because I was pretty sure. I yeah. thought, I think every mom kind of like knows in their heart. Yeah. And I I was pretty sure that he did. I didn't ever get an amnio to confirm. I just I just kind of knew. Yeah. I think I knew more than my husband did. I think I just knew. And so I very quickly started shifting to, I just pray that this baby can be as healthy as possible. I prayed a lot for his heart because 50% yeah. of children with Down syndrome have a heart defect. And so I okay. prayed for his heart and I, I would pray, God, just, just touch this baby from the tip of his head, the top of his head to the, the tippy tip of his toes. Just like, I, I just, I, I felt this overwhelming sense, just pray for him, just pray for him, just pray for him and his developing because stillbirth is very common. Okay. And there, so there were just so many facets to it. Very mm-hmm. quickly, I was praying for, just let this baby be okay. Let yeah. this baby come to term as opposed to, may this not be true. Yeah, yeah. You know? Oh, that's, so, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Can you kind of like compare and contrast for us? Like, So I know that you said before this pregnancy, you had had a miscarriage. So obviously there's grief associated with that. And then with this pregnancy, being told that this baby isn't going to be what you pictured, Mm -hmm. there's probably a level of grief with that. Mm -hmm. What was kind of like the difference for you between the two? And like, how did you navigate through that? The miscarriage was very hard um, because I was so excited and I, I, I just, I didn't, nobody ever expects it, but I I just didn't expect it. And so it was very, very hard. And there was no, there was no really coming to terms with it. You're just, I, I mean, you move on. Of course. But, yeah. But there's always this like hole of like, you know, this baby should have, mm-hmm. could have been, you know? And, yeah. and, um, I convinced myself early on that it was a girl and that I was going to have a girl. And, and so there was a lot of grief there. And I think when I got pregnant with Jed, um, it just felt like, ah, oh, you know, this is, this is going to be it. This is it. Like, this Mm -hmm. is our, this is our second chance. This is, you know, and so, um, I don't know. The grief was vastly different. It just felt like, um, the other one felt so like it slipped through my fingers, this precious baby. And then Jed, when I first got the news, it felt like I would never, initially it felt like I'm never going to escape this. It's Mm. like this child is mine. And because in the early days, I, I, I didn't, 
think there was anything to be celebrated about Down syndrome. And so I was like, I'm going to have to, I, I just, it was so, it, it feels so, it's so hard to admit this, but it was all very much about me. It was yeah. like, I want, I want my child to grow up and move out of my house. I mm. want to do my yeah. own thing when I'm retired. And I want, it was just me, 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 me. And that was a part of my grieving, but it also hurt because I, I looked back and I was like, I'm so selfish. Like, what about this baby? What about my, my other son? What about, so I, I carried a lot of, it just went through stages of like Mm -hmm. grief, guilt, shame, worry. I just, every juncture there was a feeling where the miscarriage was just grief. Totally. That makes so much sense. Um, I've heard you speak a little bit about like more in depth about the guilt and the shame that you felt. Um, I know that you said that like random things would come up for you. Like maybe I was too old and so it's my fault. Like, can you talk to me a little bit about that stuff? Yeah, I, I definitely blame myself and thought, you know, so being an only child, Mm-hmm. I very much wanted to have a second child because I hated being an only child and I right. wanted a sibling for my son, Clay. But in actuality, I, I would have been okay if I, if I didn't, if I hadn't disliked being an only child so much, I probably would have been okay with one mm-hmm. because I, my, our first child is very, he's a lot. Yeah. So I, I think I would have been okay with one, but mm-hmm. I so desperately wanted a sibling for him that we Mm -hmm. kept trying. And I think I felt this shame on you, Misty, like shame on you for continuing to try, you know, in your late thirties and, um, which is really, truly ridiculous because there's people having kids in their mid forties, but absolutely, that's how I felt, you know, the, the having babies for the young and you miss that chance. And, and you, you, it, it was more that shame. Like I'm a performer. So I spent years and years, you know, on ships and traveling. And it just felt like you, you wasted those years. You know, mm. those should have been the years that you were having babies and you're old and you're just so much, you know, from the enemy, just being like, you are, you are selfish and you wasted time. And mm. Um, that was really hard for me. I also had, you know, I grew up going to church and I grew up with a faith, but I very much had a period of my life where I was not (laughs) walking with God Mm -hmm. and I was partying and I was doing a lot of things that I, you know, am not proud of. And so I would blame myself for that Mm. behavior and think this is punishment. Like I am being punished because I did bad things and I hurt people. And this is my, this is my punishment. And Mm. those were the hardest moments because, you know, there's nothing about the God that I serve that that's not in his character. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, there are consequences to the things that we do, but that, that feeling of condemnation, like that has no place in, in our hearts, Mm -hmm. you know, with Jesus. And so I, I very much struggled with that, Mm -hmm. you know, blaming myself for for possibly causing something, which is, which is not, 
what happened. <laughs> and right. I'm saying that for the person who maybe feels like me, it is not, there is nothing that I did that anyone does that causes Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. It is a something that happens at the moment of conception. Yes, yes, there are, there is a higher risk as you get older, mm-hmm. but it's so, so, so rare. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not um, as rare as other chromosomal sure. but it is very, the, the statistics are, most women do not have a child with Down syndrome. So um, there, that shame does not belong. Mm-hmm. It belong. So kick mm-hmm. it out. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I love that you're so open and honest about that shame though. Yeah. I, I just, I, I love that. And I love that you were able to, you know, come to the truth, you know, which is that, no, God isn't punishing you for something. This isn't something you did, you know? And the funny part is if I'd been able to fast forward that tape and see Jed, it's so ludicrous thinking about yeah. him being punishment. Oh. He is just everything. He's everything. Yes. And um, you can't describe like it, you know, when someone hasn't met him and they just see pictures and he's adorable, but when you just see pictures, I'm like, just wait, just wait till you're with him. Like there's something otherworldly about him in the sense that he, he doesn't, he's different. Like he, mm-hmm. you know, with, there's so many that, um, aspects to God, there's so many characteristics to God and, and we are made in the image of God. And I really feel as though, people with Down syndrome and people with disabilities in general, they're, they're made in the image of God. And Mm -hmm. there are things about them that we can see God more clearly, um, that we can't in a typical person. And, and you can't understand that till you're in their presence. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's hard to explain that, but, um, if I could have fast forwarded that tape, (laughs) um, there was nothing to be afraid of there was nothing to be afraid of. He's, he's everything and more. I love that. You said something before you said, uh, before I realized, or like when I thought that there was nothing about down syndrome to be celebrated or something like that. So when did you get to a point when you realized that there is a lot to be celebrated about down syndrome? It's hard to pinpoint just one moment, but there's there were a thousand moments. Yeah. So he um so Jed was born. So the reason I say the pregnancy was so hard mm-hmm. was because it was all through the pandemic and it <sighs> and I could only go to appointments by myself. And there was so much fear around that time because we didn't know what the of course was. So it was like yeah. March, April, May, June, July, August, uh, August first. So so um there was so much fear on my end of how's the baby, but also, am I going to go? Am I going to get COVID? Am I right. my baby? Am I going to give it to my husband? Like there was yeah. so fear and I couldn't go with my husband. And so, um, so all of that time was so hard. And then he was born and we had a C-section. He was, he was, we were supposed to have him. I had a scheduled C-section but at, at a, at a routine high, high, high risk mm-hmm. appointment a couple of weeks before he was due to be born, we, we discovered that he hadn't grown at uh. all in like a month. 
and they were measuring that he was going to be like four pounds, five ounces. And I left that appointment thinking, I mean, I was devastated. I was like, okay, so I already wrapped my head around this down syndrome thing. Right. It's like this, like preemie baby, well, not preemie, but tiny little baby. Sure. Malnourished. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around that. And so, um, the next day I really knew something was wrong. Like I just, I knew I was like, I have to go into the hospital and thank goodness I did because they looked and they said, you know, your fluid has gone down drastically. You know, we need to take him out in like a half hour. And so my husband came and we did it and I didn't get to see him. I saw him like right here and fell in love with him, but I didn't get to see him for a while while they were trying to like, just give him some nutrients and yeah. And when they finally brought him into me, he was, now he was so weak. And we found out later that he had like an infection. He had to go to the NICU for about seven days. But when they finally brought him to me, his eyes were wide open and he <sighs> peered into my soul. Like there's no oh. other way to say it. He just, he didn't blink. He didn't look away. It was one, it was, it was, we were glued to each other and my husband was sleeping. It was like our own moment. And I was just like, oh my gosh, baby, you are everything and more. Oh. You are everything and more. And every fear that I had, like, you know, like washed out the window. And, um, the next day I was trying to explain to my husband and he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden I looked over and he was holding him and he's crying. And I was like, what's the matter? And he's like, he's just staring at me. He's just like staring into my eyes. So day one and two of his life, like we knew something was just so special about him and had that deep connection with him. I have talked to parents in this community who did not have that experience. So I do not want anyone to think that that just happens for everybody, our experience. Mm -hmm. But if it doesn't happen initially, it does happen. Yeah. I had a million other times after that in the NICU and when we first brought him home and in the next coming months where I'm just like, I am obsessed with you. And it's Ugh. only grown, you know, exponentially as he's gotten older, where I'm just like, who is this baby? He's just, you know, and I'm I'm not putting him up on a pedestal, but I'm I'm amplifying it because yes. everything in our culture says. Mm-mm, yes, that's bad. And mm-hmm. here I am staring at this baby, like mesmerized by him and going, what is going on here? Like we've got one, di- one reality here and one yeah. reality here. And they're like total extreme. Yeah. And so it's my mission to change that, but that's another topic. So. Oh, <laughs> I just love that. That made me so emotional. Like that is so, so beautiful. I just love that so much. So how old is Jed now? He's going to be two and on August 1st. Oh, all right. So what, practically speaking, what is life with Jed like? All right. So you have a two-year-old with Down syndrome. What does that life look like? I mean, it's, there's many aspects to it that are not very much different than any other child. Mm-hmm. I think the gap will get wider as he gets older. Mm-hmm. Um, most likely, but you know, when they're tiny, tiny, it's still the same, right. Feeding, sleeping, changing stuff. The only difference with Jed is that he has a lot of 
services. He has a lot of therapies. And so the beginning was very overwhelming because you're get you're getting to know this whole other world of right. early intervention and therapists coming into your home. And um it's it's a lot. It's a lot in the beginning. And my brain since having children is like half of what it was. Like I can't <laughs> yes. remember anything. Like I will mm-hmm. write it in my book. It's mm-hmm. I'm so glad that I'm sitting here with you right now because I I am purposeful and I write things down. I put them in my calendar and then and then I just forget. Like I know. There, there's like it's, it's I get it. really out of control. And so I've had therapists show up at my door and I'm like, Who are oh, you? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, welcome. Come on in. Uh, but um that is probably the thing that is most it most difficult in terms of it's a lot. It's a lot. You know, mm-hmm. he has five therapies a week. Wow, yeah. But they all come to our house and they're That's an amazing. hour long. And you know, lots of times, I mean, they love him. So mm. Lots of times it's kind of nice just to have like another person in the house to sort of like, I don't have any family close by. So in some ways they kind of become your family and they love Jed. And, and so, you know, in terms of that, it's very, it's, it's a, it's a busy schedule, Mm -hmm. Um, but he plays and he, you know, he's everything. So the delays. Um, in terms of like his, his walking and his talking are, are there, mm-hmm. but we work on them. And uh, to be honest with you, there's not many times I really even notice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 I do work at a church and I see kids who are his age mm-hmm. and there are moments where it's very hard because you're like, Oh wow. That kid's six months younger than he is. And he's running around and whatever. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like the thing that I remind myself of is when he's 20, am I going to be saying, you know, mm-hmm. he didn't walk until he was two and a half. Like, right. am I really going to care? No, no, you just keep going. You just mm-hmm. keep doing the next right thing. And you trust that he's going to get there in his own time. He sets his own pace, just like any child should. Absolutely. You know, we, we tend to have these expectations of our kids and of ourselves, but it doesn't, it's not worth the hill of beans. Like we, mm-hmm. if we, we get to where we need to get and, that's it, you know? Totally, totally. So it's all a mind shift, I think. What's his relationship like with your older son, Clay? They're besties. They're just oh. great. Yeah, Clay's very, my older son is very protective of Jed. And um, I think he's finally starting to like not understand what Down syndrome means, but I think he's starting to like connect some of the dots that. Mm-hmm. Um, he, so Jed <laughs> he's not an Instagram star, but he has a lot of followers on. He does. And he, um, this company reached out to us and said, we want to send you this down syndrome doll. And so we got this doll named Noah and he's precious and beautiful. And Jed just loves him. But one day Clay was looking at him and he said, this, this doll has eyes like, like brother. And I said, yes, he does. What do you think they look like? And we talked about it Mm -hmm. and we talked about Down syndrome because we don't ever want, and I think this should be true in every home that Mm -hmm. it it should never be like uncomfortable to talk about differences. You Mm -hmm. just say, yeah, that's true. You know, their, their eyes do look a little bit different or their skin color is a little bit different, but let's talk about that. Like God made us all, he made us in his image. Mm-hmm. So, so that difference is beautiful and you, you're beautiful in a different way. And just mm-hmm. being able to have that open dialogue. And so he's starting to make observations, but he's very 
loving and caring and sometimes just, you know, a rough and tumble. Oh brother. yeah. But he, they, they love each other. And mm. Jed is, um, exceedingly empathetic. And so when Clay gets upset, it's like, really you're dealing with two babies who are upset because Jed is like (gasps) he does this thing where he's like I think some of it is sensory like he starts Mm -hmm. to like push his push his head like this and starts to cry and he he cannot handle Clay being upset and he senses in the room when any of us are starting to get upset he's very Mm -hmm. in tune with like something's amiss (laughs) Mm. but yeah they have a great relationship they're really sweet I love that. Um, tell us about happiness is down syndrome. What yeah. is that? Tell tell us about it. So around um, when Jed was about three months old, I woke up in the middle of the night and I was singing this song in my head from your good man, Charlie Brown called happiness. And it's all just about the sweet, simple pleasures in life. And um and it just hit me like that is what Jed is. He's hmm. he he is the sweet, simple pleasures in life. He is, um, you know, that sweet feeling of like taking a lick of ice cream or those those fresh pencils when you first go to school, like those things that those little visceral things. That's Jed. Like he he is just joy and. Um, and I thought to myself, I just was marinating on how scared I was. And I am a person of faith who, you know, has a roof over my head and has a husband and has parents who love me. I can't even imagine what some people who don't have those things, Mm -hmm. um, feel in Mm -hmm. my position. And so I thought to myself, I want to create a space or I, it wasn't a space initially. It was, I want to create an, a video mm-hmm. showcasing and highlighting moms with their babies mm-hmm. and showing their genuine happiness and love with their babies, because mm-hmm. that's what I needed to see when mm-hmm. I was pregnant. I needed to see women who look like me mm-hmm. and not because I had this visual in my head of like a mom of a child with a disability who's all bedraggled and like yep. tired and like falling apart. Poor woman at church that you're just like, oh, she needs so much help. Yeah, I, 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 I don't want to be that person. Like yeah. that's not who I am. And and I and I was scared of becoming that. And so mm-hmm. I want I needed to see women like me with mm-hmm. jobs and with other kids and and still living life and living life with joy and yeah. purpose and meaning. And so, um, I did like a Kickstarter and I had a bunch of moms film things and we put together this video and had a bunch of us sing on it. And, um, it, we, I talked to a a marketing sort of strategist and she said, I think you need to have an Instagram page where people can go if they see this, Mm -hmm. so they can become a part of of a community, which was the the most brilliant suggestion ever. Mm -hmm. And I started an Instagram page. It became happiness is down syndrome. And it has completely taken on a life of its own. I mean, mm-hmm. I there are people in Dubai and Morocco and India and I mean, you name it. I have heard from them, people who cannot speak a lick, lick of English and just write like paragraphs in their language. And I go to Google Translate and oh. like, this, it happens all the time. But like people who that. don't have resources and not only don't have resources for their kids with Down syndrome, like they don't even have the knowledge of what's out there. They're like, why isn't my child 
walking, he's, he's mm-hmm. one and they don't realize that it, it's okay. Like it's mm-hmm. not, it's not, you're not doing something wrong. Our kids often have hypotonia and hypotonia mm-hmm. means that your muscles are not weaker, but they're more sort of elongated, which makes it harder mm-hmm. for them to do certain things that might be easier for a typical child. It doesn't mean they won't get there in their mm-hmm. own time. Mm-hmm. There's so many people who don't know that and think mm-hmm. they're doing something wrong and yeah. think that they're cursed and think they, you know, you name it, I've heard it. So Ugh. here we have this community where I can be like, I'm going to put you in this chat with this, this, all these pregnant mamas. And I'm going to put you in this chat with all these women who have, whose babies have heart defects. And I'm going to put you in this chat. I put them in chats. I share stories. I make reels to reach the masses, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And I just try to like, get the word out. Like happiness Mm -hmm. is down syndrome. We have the wrong narrative happening. It is not something to be feared. It is something to be celebrated. It's it's yes. There are hard things about down syndrome. There are hard things about every life there are. And what is this alternate universe that we're thinking that a typical child is spared hard things. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's what upsets me so much is that we, it's just not true. You can have the most well-accomplished, beautiful, Mm -hmm. intelligent child who, you know, walks out in the street one day and becomes paralyzed for the rest of their lives. It doesn't mean that they're any less, you know, beautiful and wonderful Mm -hmm. and, and valued Mm -hmm. and, precious in the eyes of God. And I think that our society is just really twisted. And so I try to provide a space where people can feel safe and share, be honest, but mostly I'm trying to shine light on the happiness of Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so that's really what I'm trying to do. I, oh, like, again, I got tears in my eyes as you were talking. I absolutely love your passion, like your love for your son and for this mission is so infectious and amazing. And I just think that like, I love that at the end of the day, your biggest thing is that you just want people to see that Down syndrome is happiness. It's not a curse. Like, and I just love that, that you're like, listen, like, hello, I'm not a doctor. I'm not like, I am a mom that has a child who I love more than anything. And I want you to see like the love and happiness that we have so that you don't have to feel hopeless and alone. And like, this is some kind of like death sentence that you've just been handed. And not only that, yes, to all those things. And not only that, I'm not specially qualified. Mm. Nobody is specially qualified yes, we may have things about us. You know, I have a friend who's a speech therapist and she has a child with Down syndrome. So that certainly helps her. Totally. But, but, and you know, I'm, I'm musically inclined. So I'm singing to Jed a lot. And so those yeah. are lovely things, but the important thing to know is I wasn't, I wasn't specially like, I'm not a saint. I wasn't chosen because mm-hmm. I have the chops and mm-hmm. you don't. Yeah. 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 You, you we, we take what we're given and we mm-hmm. do the best with what we have. And mm-hmm. we, and we, that's it. You, you become qualified through being the mother of your child, but I am Ugh. not set. I am not different than anyone else. And I think that's, what's hard is that 
society tends to go, oh, you're a saint. I could never do what you do. You're a hero, which it all sounds nice, but it's not really. It's basically saying like, you're, you know, well, you can do that, but I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah. That, which, which again communicates that's really hard what you have going on and Mm -hmm. you must be a hero. It's actually not. It's I'm doing the best with what I've, I've been given and I'm choosing to rejoice and I'm choosing to see the beauty because there's a whole ton of it. But, the, but the actuality is, you know, you would do it too. Mm-hmm. You would do it too. You do what you've been given. And, and, and that is like the number one thing, like God calls us to be faithful with what he, he's given us. And we choose to say, I'm doing this, I'm doing mm-hmm. this and I'm doing it well. And I'm doing mm-hmm. it all for the glory of God. You mm-hmm. know, like it's, it's, we're doing our best. We're asking for help from God and others. And, and, and I just think it's really important to say that, that we are not specially qualified. We are just moms of mm-hmm. our children and we love them and we fight for what's best for them. Like any mom would. Mm-hmm. You know? So I want to take everything that you just said and put it on like a t-shirt or something like <laughs> truly like that. Was, like I was just like, this is so good. I just love that. That's I love, really love, love t-shirt. it. That, that would be a very long t-shirt. It would be very tiny print. Very, very uh. tiny print. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but really, I just, it's so beautiful. I just love it so much. I just feel like the work that like God has clearly done in you, through you, with Jed, like I just, the whole thing is just, you are such, such an encouragement. I know everyone who hears this uh, will be encouraged by you. So like, listen, before I let you go, what would you say to someone who could be listening to this and maybe just recently found out that they are pregnant with a child that has Down syndrome? Like, what would you say to them? I would say, do not wait a second to reach out to somebody. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I've heard a lot is that people think if I reach out to somebody, it makes it real. Mm-hmm. And I don't want it to be real. But the, the thing is, what does it hurt? getting mm-hmm. to know somebody else's experience. Yeah. What does it hurt to reach out and say, can you tell me what it's like to be mm-hmm. a mom of a child with Down syndrome? Can you tell me honestly and openly just hear somebody else's experience? Mm-hmm. And once people do that, it, it, it opens doors to your heart. Mm-hmm. It, 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 I think, you know, there are scary things, but what in early in the journey, but it opens this this whole other world of, oh, she kind of sounds like she's doing okay. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of sounds like she has a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. She kind of sounds like she wouldn't take away the Down syndrome. Really? Like, mm-hmm. and when you reach out and you hear that, it's a game changer. Mm-hmm. And I can say that without a shadow of a doubt. If somebody asked me, could you would you take away the Down syndrome tomorrow? No. Because Jed would not be the same person and I wouldn't want to lose my Jed. It's not a disease. You're not saying heal my child of cancer. If you take away the Down syndrome, you're taking away who he fundamentally is. I mean, Mm. Down syndrome doesn't define him, but it's a huge part of who he is. So I wouldn't change it. And I mean that with every fiber of my being. And I think that early in the journey, people need to hear moms say that sincerely. And so um, I would just say, reach out. Don't do not be afraid to reach out. If it's me personally, I promise you, 
I promise you that I will answer. Mm. And uh, I like look through my messages like late mm-hmm. at night. I'm like, where's that person that I need to find? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because because yeah. I I don't want anyone to feel alone. There's no reason for it. There's too many of us out here that want to embrace you and love you. So find your community, find, find your people. And, uh, it's, we always say it's the the greatest club you never wanted to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. What about for people who are listening, who have a friend that has a child with special needs or a family or whatever that, you know, like they're hearing this and they're like, okay, this is not my story, but I'm thinking of so-and-so or whatever. Like, what is the best way for us to support them, to be there for them? Like what, what is helpful? What's not? I think I would say probably number one, just be a listening ear. Mm-hmm. So, um, one thing I try to do, cause I'm a talker. If you hadn't, if you couldn't tell me too, obviously um, I want to, if there's something someone's going through and I want to be there for them, I will say, I have not walked in your shoes and Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what you're feeling, but I love you. And I want to be here for you. And I want to listen to you. I don't, I won't have any wise words Mm -hmm. um, because in, in our own insecurity and in our own wanting to help, we want to like speak things, but Mm -hmm. sometimes there's just nothing to say, except I love you. I'm here for you. And I'm, and I want to listen to all the things that you think I'm going to judge you for. I won't. Mm -hmm. I'm here to listen and be a shoulder for you to cry on. And, and I'm here to be an active helper in your life. Mm -hmm. So if there is somebody that you see that's really struggling to get all their appointments in and get all the therapies in, like just offer to pick up their other child, offer Mm -hmm. to make them dinner, like just do it. Like don't Mm -hmm. even ask, just do it. Mm-hmm. because I guarantee you they need it. Like I, mm-hmm. I have had so many people from my church step in and they don't even know what's going on with me. And I'm like, uh, thanks God. Cause yes, I, 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 I don't, I don't know how I would have done this without you. Mm-hmm. So sometimes just taking that step forward to serve someone, mm-hmm. you are the hands and feet of God. You're saying I'm, I'm, I can't, I can't change this thing happening to you and I can't really even speak to it, but I'm darn well going to feed you and I'm darn well going to be here for you and I'm going to watch your kids and it's just step into it, do it. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you that you will bless them by doing so. Don't be afraid to step on their toes. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yes. I need it. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Listen, we always end by asking, what's your favorite snack right now? <laughs> I saw that and I was like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Goodness. Um, I really like pita chips. Me too. Like, like the Stacy's, like naked yes. pita chips. Oh my gosh, they're the best. I could eat the whole bag. I, I, I kind of do. Like if I they're know. here, I'm like, it used to just be I only wanted them with hummus, but now I like really even, like them by themselves. Even plain. They're amazing. But you know what else? So I love them plain. I love them with hummus. But have you ever had like the Stacy's brand, the cinnamon sugar ones? I haven't. Is that oh like a dessert? <laughs> my sister-in-laws make this like fruit salsa thing where they like chop up like fruit, like really tiny with like juice yeah. and like whatever. And we use the cinnamon sugar chips. It's a dessert. So you can have... Your Stacy's pita chips with hummus as your appetizer, and the cinnamon sugar 
with the fruit as your dessert. It's amazing. Yeah, I've only ever had the plain and the Parmesan, garlic Parmesan. The Parmesan ones are That so kind of lasts with you for like six days. You're like... Oh, no, it's so true. It is so um, true. And then if you get the family size bag. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, I guess that would be it for now. <laughs> amazing. I love that. Love, love, love. I... Misty, I cannot thank you enough. This was amazing. You are just such a light, so encouraging. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for asking me, Caitlin, and for giving um, a platform to moms like me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CaitlinElliott.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, if you want to toss us a five-star rating, I would love you forever. Check us out next week for another new episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at so.what.else. Editing and all that stuff by Matt Carpenter with Parable Productions. Parable Productions.